The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Dr. Gans joins us in studio, and today is that day. It is the last Wednesday of the month. Dr. Gans Ferentz. Hey. hey, how are you, friend? Good, how are you doing? Good, and we have, uh, we have uh, I was going to say, another one. You've been here before, That's Amanda right. Knight. Amanda, nice uh-huh. to see you here. Hello. Thanks for both being in here. Now, I know that you have uh, a special event coming up Absolutely. together. Tell us a little bit about I'm gonna this. I'm going to let Amanda tell, her, tell you about okay. that because this is her baby. But okay. I'm really, really happy to be involved because it's a really cool event. So. Okay, Amanda, what is it all about? So, my friend Linda Kowalski and I decided that we wanted to... Um, set up a fundraiser but that somehow was built around the concept of well-being uh, and actually was involving speakers from Edmonton so bringing Mm. together the talent that we have in Edmonton and maybe some lesser known talent as well as our stars okay. um, and uh, and for the fundraiser to be um, for a, a local charity as well mm-hmm. so okay. everything to be YEG based alright so when is it? so our first event we hope this is going to be a biannual event at least uh, so our first one is Thursday the September the 26th in the evening so from 5pm to 9.30, yeah. 10. And we've also, not only have we got speakers, we've also got some really cool music. Now, one of the things I find interesting about this, you talk about uh, authentic living. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about authentic living, and maybe this is where we can start today, um, you know, you, you hear people, and it sounds almost like little catchphrases or something that you see in a hashtag somewhere, you know, real life, authentic life, you know, mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff. What exactly <laughs> does that mean? <laughs> well, I'll go with that one. So, so like, for me, it is living from your own core, right? Uh, a lot of us, what we do is we live from either the program we got as kids from, <laughs> you know, home or church or school or the media or whatever, or we live the life that we are expected to live by our parents or mm-hmm. by the people we're around or spouses or whoever. Or, or what we believe we're supposed to live, right? Because, you know, there are a lot of us that do that. Well, you can't do that. You got to do it this way, right? And, and the general programming is, okay, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get good grades. I'm going to graduate high school, hopefully. And then I'm going to get a job. Once I get a job, well, it's time for me to get a steady girlfriend or boyfriend. Okay, once I get that, well, I got to buy a house now. Okay, well, I got to buy a house. Okay, so now I got to get engaged or move in with somebody. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Now that I've done that, I got to have a kid. Now we got to buy a dog. Now we get, you, you understand? There's a whole program yes. thing that we have yeah. in our culture. And, um, um, as that happens, you know, what I see in my work is that people hit, you know, 40, 45, 50, now sometimes 25 even is happening, and they wake up, which is awesome, but this is the classic midlife crisis that people mm. have, and what that is, is something happens, something changes, and they wake up and realize wait a second, is this my life yeah. or am I living somebody else's life? I've got all this stuff that looks really good on paper. It looks fulfilling. Everybody says I should be happy, but I feel empty and I feel exhausted inside. What's wrong with me, right? And nothing's wrong with them. The problem is they've been not been living the authentic life. They've never asked the question, is this actually working for me? Mm. Not, is this what's expected of me? And, you know, you probably see so many people um, 
because there's expectations, as as Gans mentioned, there's expectations, I think, that are put on so many people right from, uh, you know, right from when you're born, mm-hmm. really, you're going to do this, you're going to play, oh, you're a girl, you're going to play mm-hmm. with dolls, you're not going to play with mm-hmm. trucks, you're going to do all of that, and, and that can be hard to break out of. Absolutely, and I think, you know, what I, what I love about what you were talking about there, Gantz, is that when I think about authenticity, it's about who am I? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, who am I really deep down in if I took away all of that conditioning, who, who what, what's, what do I look like? What's, mm-hmm. what, what am I made of? What are my values? Um, what was I here to do? Mm-hmm. You know, was there some reason that I was born that I'm not actually living out? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where this crisis of meaning happens oh, when yeah. people hit that that wall. Is that there's suddenly suddenly there's this emptiness, and it's like. Is this it? Mm-hmm. So when you get to that point, if you're, it doesn't matter, I guess, maybe if you're 25, maybe if you're 18, <laughs> depending on what it is that you're dealing with in your oh, life, yeah. really, um, you know, when you sit down and, you know, how do you take a, how do you take a look at it to see, or, or do, does it, first off, does it just come crashing down, or can you look at it and go... Can you do it in go, a general, g- gentle tra- transition Yeah, way, or can or we do it, or is it just, you know, yeah, oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. here we go. Yeah, well, you know, okay, so a couple of things with that. One is that, you know, the earlier you figure this out, mm-hmm. the more time you got left to live, like, your authentic yeah. life or from your own center or whatever, like, legitimately is what I call it, right? Um, so, yeah, so although, like, the crisis part of it is not necessarily fun, right? It's usually like, you know, the, the typical, stereotypical uh, midlife crisis is there's a divorce or there's an illness mm-hmm. or there's, you know, a, like, like some tragedy, a bankruptcy mm-hmm. or something that kind of like, you know, you hit the wall. And that's what wakes people up sometimes, yeah. right? But no, you do not have to wait for that. You can actually <laughs> t- proactively do it and do it in a more measured way, in a more gentle way. And that's what this whole event is all about, is, is really recognizing that, oh, if people have the right information if they're kind of clued into this early and they have, they're provided the tools and the support to be able to look at some of Mm -hmm. the stuff, they can do it in a graduated, gradual way so that it's not overwhelming and they don't Mm -hmm. have to wait till they hit the wall. They don't have to wait till everything comes crumbling down around them. They can actually start to look at this and ask these questions. Is this working for me? Am I doing what I want? Am I, is my life going in the direction that is like that actually makes sense for me, not just what is expected of me or what my parents said or what the family is or what my culture says or any of that stuff? Does this go in the direction that I want? And am I happy with it? And if not, then I can look at that and tweak it and do whatever I need to do. Okay, when you look at it and tweak it then, you know, this takes me back to uh, my first marriage. And okay, I'm going to truth puke a little bit here. First marriage, I got (laughs) got married when I was 30 30 years uh, of age. And Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, he, my my ex-husband, very much wanted a family. Mm -hmm. Uh, At that time, I thought that was absolutely something that I wanted uh, to, to do and to do with him. And then I realized, over the years following that I I should have paid maybe a little bit more attention to those not wanting to have kids thing all the way through the 20s. -hmm. I fell in love, was swept up into it. Mm -hmm. I know this was something that he really, really wanted, so I believe that I could uh, do it as well. And then realized in the years that followed that I couldn't. Um, And then we ended up um, getting divorced. Um, We wanted different things, Mm -hmm. and and mainly on that front, it was was the children uh, front. And again, it wasn't a a free-for-all. All. It was just, it was a number of conversations, but it was a painful one yeah. to get there. Um, so once you realize 
once you realize you're at that spot that maybe uh, you're living a life that uh, you don't want to live, maybe that you, you're not going to be able to deal with whatever your family wants, all of that, what is your next step? <laughs> Take a breath, first of all. Yeah, absolutely. Throw back a bottle of wine. (laughs) Sorry, no, I know that's not what you would recommend, but I think I did. I think you have to find whatever it is that that soothes you and mm-hmm. comforts you at the time. And, and the, the biggest thing is be kind to yourself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, give yourself a bit of time to understand that you're actually now facing a new reality. And I think when that crisis moment happens, it's like somewhere in our minds we've made a decision. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's like, oh my gosh, this, this decision now means all oh, of yeah. these different things. And so just taking a bit of time out has to be the first thing, just to, to give yourself that. I, I totally agree. You know, take a breath and take some, you know, give yourself permission to be in the mess of it for for the time (laughs) being, okay? Because... Well, look at living the authentic life, uh, asking that question, is this working for me? None of this stuff is for wimps, right? Mm-hmm. It's not for the faint of heart because mm-hmm. if you ask these questions, you're going to get the answers, yeah. right? <laughs> and the answers are, you know, there are certain consequences that come out of the answers if you're going to follow that, that path. I find that some people do a very good job of thinking about it for a very long time mm-hmm. and maybe making a plan, have mm-hmm. it all planned out, and then boom, it's done. Mm-hmm. And others flounder around mm-hmm. in it um, is is there a right way or a wrong way? Because I think sometimes the thinking about it, making it all planned out. Because again, truth puke again. When I finally mm-hmm. told my ex husband this isn't what, this isn't working for either of us, he'd already he he knew it as yeah. well, yeah. and he'd he'd had the plan. Okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. This is what we're going to do. And that's what we did. Like mm-hmm. the next day, mm-hmm. um, and I think for some people that might have seemed really really cold, but at the end of it all, it was just it was months, if not years, of dragging it out. Well, well, yeah, and I think I think when you are when you actually have the courage to look at this stuff, it can be very loving to the person who you know you're dumping or whatever mm-hmm. in a case like this, right? Um, you know, your ex, it, 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 he wasn't in my mind not really cold; he was just really clear, right? And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, because I he, I'm sure he felt it, right? You, you know what I mean? You can't. He you just can't. he didn't have the nerve to pull the trigger. I right, had to pull totally, the trigger, but totally. he made all the plans right, for the right. follow-up, well, yeah, for the know, cleanup, you right? Had, you each had a part to play, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, so so it, it the fact that it was like kind of planned out, and you guys knew how to do yeah. it, and you know, it it probably um, softened the blow, absolutely, okay? because it was probably one of the best divorces on the planet. Absolutely, I, I've, at the I've, end of I've helped a lot. Like you know, I do a lot of relationship mm-hmm. therapy and stuff like that. So I've helped lots of couples work back from you know hard issues like an affair or whatever. I've also helped couples split up in mm-hmm. a way that is useful, right? Yeah, um, in a way that is gentle, kind, and respectful because that is best for everyone, both for, best for both people, but especially if their kids involved, mm-hmm. right? So this whole idea of the crisis, um, you know, not the greatest way to go through this, right? <laughs> but it's better than not going through mm-hmm. this. But, I, but I, you know, Amanda and I were talking this morning about the idea that a lot of times we go through stuff and you, you can see it in our personal lives, you can see it in groups, you can see it in, you know, um, workplaces, but you can even see it in like you know, political systems or countries, right? A lot of times there are things that look really ugly and are painful. There's a lot of like turmoil mm-hmm. and, and uh, chaos. But what that is, is kind of like the same thing that happens with our bodies. If we're, if we're sick, if we've got a, an infection, mm-hmm. 
we might get a fever, and the fever is not pleasant. It doesn't feel good. We get hot, we get cold, we get chills. It's not great. And the fever is there to help to kill the thing that's killing us, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So it's not pleasant to go through. But if you understand that this is your body's natural mechanism of healing so you can be better after, then the whole thing has a little less sting. And so a lot of the stuff that we experience in our lives in terms of crises or we might be witnessing in terms of political systems or countries right now, this is the fever, The fever is healing a bunch of stuff that was kind of like a low-grade infection underneath all the time. When you finally pulled the trigger, that was the fever. I mean, your fever wasn't that bad because you actually had (laughs) had a plan, right? We kind of had a plan, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, most people don't have a plan, and then it gets kind of difficult for a lot of people. But the other side of that is far better than where you were sitting before you decided to make that move. We need to take a break here uh, with Dr. Gans Ferentz and Amanda Knight. Again, the event coming up is called The Doctors. It's Thursday, September 26th at 5 o'clock, talking about authentic living. Um, We'll take a break here. When we come back, I want to ask you... How do you deal with the blowback from it? Okay, it might be right for mm-hmm. you, but maybe it's not right mm-hmm. for your family. Maybe it's not yep. right for your work. Maybe it's not your right culture, for anybody, your, your culture, religion, yep. your religion, mm-hmm. whatever. Yep. How do you deal with that? How does that make you feel? Dr. Gans Ferenc today, along with Amanda Knight, an emotional intelligence specialist. <laughs> I like that on a business card. So before the break was asking, we were talking about, you know, authentic living and, you know, getting to that point of, mm-hmm. you know, living that life that um, that you that you want, that you believe, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, but we know with that, oftentimes, and depending on what you're dealing with, mm-hmm. it can mean a heck of a lot of blowback. How do you deal with the blowback? That can be everything from loss of friends and family, loss of of you know support from your church you name it how do you deal with that yeah it's like like we were saying before this it's not for the faint of heart it's not this decision takes immense amounts of courage and backbone because you know well let me tell you a story so one of my favorite movies is uh old movies called leap of faith uh steve martin was in it right and um there was a scene in the movie where uh, he, he, he plays this kind of charlatan faith healer evangelist thing traveling around to different different uh, towns and stuff. So this kid comes and he says, you know, well, geez, I'd, I'd like to leave this town. I'd like to do this other stuff, but I can't do it. I, you know, my family wants me to stay. They expect me to go into the family business. Mm. And Steve Martin has this, this, this quick kind of throwaway line. He says, you know, well, you know, I only do what I want to do, kid. It's a tough tough policy but i stick to it right it's that so so true it's a tough tough policy to only do what you want to do right it takes a lot of guts because if you don't do what is right for you if you don't do what is correct for you you will be resentful of everything and everyone else that you think is keeping you stuck or you think you're sacrificing for or all this other stuff one of the things that um we're talking about in in this particular presentation here is the fact that our needs what we have the needs we have are legitimate and real like there are no good needs no bad needs they're just needs and whatever they are and we have them they're legitimate we have the responsibility we have the right and the responsibility to look after our needs in a healthy way if we don't do that 
everyone suffers. We suffer, and then we crap on everybody around us <laughs> because we're miserable. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do yeah. see what you're saying. Dealing with the loss, though, of you know what may have been a support network yeah. for a very long time, um, that can be awfully scary. Uh, you know, you know that would be like a year floating out there all alone. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like being shunned. Right? And, yeah, and and I think the thing is. When we talk about our needs, one of the um, the ways to think about our needs is an essential need that we have as human beings is to feel that we belong somewhere. Yes. And so often what tends to happen when we have this crisis of meaning is that we're suddenly feeling like this isn't me, this is, mm-hmm. this is not where I belong. And so taking that step to say, actually, I need to go and find where I belong initially you know looking after your own needs sounds like it's a selfish thing Mm -hmm. but actually it's something that is is entrenched in our well-being if we don't look after that sense of well-being and go and find the place where we do belong then we we're we're going to be who who knows what's going to happen to us and so we have to help the people around us understand that this is what's happening i'm not feeling that i belong here anymore for whatever reason that might be Mm -hmm. um and how you know therefore some people will be able to come along for the ride not everybody is gonna it doesn't mean you're gonna be you know shedding everybody out of your life but those people that truly understand you and love you and value you will understand what you're why you're Mm. doing what you're doing Well, you hope so. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, and like honestly, you hope so. Well, no, it, it's actually the truth. That that is an actual like principle in life, right? So the people that love you and understand you and, and value you will understand and value and continue to hold you high. The people that don't and can't really never did. They understand they, the the what they were what they were having with you was uh, a relationship with your behavior that suited them. Okay, but okay. I mean, there are some, there are, let's say, you know, let's say some religious beliefs, right. um, you know, there are some people that, are, that would just say, no, you know, it's, I'm, I, I can't go along with this based on that. I may love you. You could be my daughter. You could be my son, mm-hmm. but this is, is stronger. Well, I, I get it. I get it. And you know, if that's, if that's their higher priority, then they have to be uh, true okay. to themselves. Yeah, it okay. comes down to choice. Right? They have to, they have to be true to themselves mm. and understand that that's, that's true for them. But then that means that the relationship, the the agreement, the unspoken agreement that they had with their their other person that was in their life that's changing, they're not going to be able to fulfill that, right? Either they're either they're changed or they're they're sticking to their guns, or the person is changing and doing something different, right? And so you know, it's it's one of those things that if there, there's no winning if you just pretend and stay stay together to mm-hmm. keep peace, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the long run, there will be resentment and there will be heartache and pain. It's do you want to pay up front or do you want to pay later with lots of interest? That covers so much, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that covers everything from marriages to yep. families to transitions to, uh, you know, uh, work life. Yeah, yeah, work, mm-hmm. you name it. It yeah. covers everything. It's right. a principle. It's a principle of life. And that's that's... This is why, like, this is kind of the core of the book, of mm-hmm. my book, right? The Me Factor is this because it covers so much. It's like if you understand this, you understand why certain things don't work out so well, but you can also do some stuff to avoid getting into that situation, or like you said, doing it gently as opposed to waiting for the crisis to happen. Dr. Kans Ferrance in studio this afternoon, along with uh, Amanda Knight. 
this uh, uh, today. Uh, we're going to take a break here for the 3.30 News. When we come back, we're going to get into, so we've been talking about authentic life, and we said, you know, we also have this, the ABCs of assertiveness oh, we yeah. wanted to touch on. And you're, you're telling me that these things kind of go... It's all part of it. Hand in hand. Let's find <laughs> out after this. How does that make you feel? <laughs> I'm in tears right now. <laughs> My bad. My no, bad. it's all good. It's Dr. Gantz Ferris. <laughs> and uh, emotional intelligence specialist Amanda Knight joining me in studio. And again, this event coming up, it's called The Doctors. Um, and it's going to be Thursday, September 26th at uh, 5 o'clock. And it's, you know, looking at... Um, authentic living and how that will help all sorts of things in your life better health you know career family life you name it so we've been talking about that for the past 40 minutes or so and one of the things here on my on the page in front of me it talks about the abcs of assertiveness and you're telling me that this goes hand in hand and you know i think we all want to be assertive i think there's a difference between being assertive and being a a witch with a B, <laughs> right? Um, but <laughs> assertiveness, some people think assertiveness is a bad thing or that it some people not. should not be assertive because we have to play a role. Right, right. So uh, how do we start with this? Okay. Well, okay. So let's let's just talk about some definitions first of all, right? Because that, you're right, Jalen. A lot of people have we've been miseducated around this. I got to be assertive, right? And what they're thinking of when they say assertive, they're thinking aggressive. So here, here, ah. here's here's the bottom line. If you're alive, if you're human, you have needs, and your needs are okay and they're legitimate. Okay. Uh, we all want to take care of our needs. We all need to take care of our needs. And um, so, if you think about if you think about aggressiveness, assertiveness, and passivity from a needs basis, a needs standpoint, it goes like this: uh, an aggressive person mm. is going to. I'm, I'm, if I'm an aggressive person, I'm going to get my needs my needs met at, by any means necessary. Okay. I will step over you. I'll step through you. I'll use you. I'll do whatever. I will hurt other people to get my needs. Uh, that's what's that's me being aggressive. Okay, me being passive. It's being a real dank too. Yeah, by well, the absolutely, way. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I, that's not the first time I've heard that directed at me. By the way, but, um, but also then then if you if you're uh, looking at somebody who's passive, if I'm passive, I'm going to and, and passive is is kind of like a little bit of a manipulation actually, mm-hmm. because what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you step all over me. I'm going to step. I'm going to do everything to make you happy, so that you will either feel guilty enough or bad enough or you'll be thankful enough to then you know probably guess mm. what my needs are mm. and try to give them to them because you know I'm passive so I'm not even going to tell you what the needs are mm-hmm. you just got to kind of figure them out right neither of those two things is healthy okay um, well there's a third there's a fourth one then too is a passive aggressive but that's a whole another thing that's when you know I'm really pissed off at you but I don't tell you I just go brush the toilet with your toothbrush <laughs> so uh, that those that's you want to stay away from those people um, but if you're assertive, what assertiveness is, is I take responsibility for getting my needs met in a healthy way that does not interfere with you mm. meeting your needs in a healthy way. In fact, I'm not going to hurt you while I'm getting my needs met. Mm. And if I'm really good at it, if I'm really healthy, really balanced, while I'm taking care of my needs, I can do things in such a way that it makes you taking care of your needs easier. 
this you know what I'm saying? So, I don't know how many people know how to do that very well. Well, it, it, <laughs> well, no, I agree. And it all starts with, first of all, recognizing we all have needs and that those needs are legitimate. And then recognizing that it's no one else's responsibility. Mm. It's my responsibility to meet my needs. I can't expect you, if we're in a relationship, I can't expect you to read my mind and know what I want mm-hmm. and, and meet my needs. That's a that's a really screwed up setup. But yeah. I know I, I've lived through that in lots of relationships. <laughs> and I know lots of people have had that set up, whether in their family of origin or in their um, romantic relationships or whatever. But it's not fair. I mean, I can't be expected to meet your needs if you don't tell me what they are. Well, and I can't expect to be expected to meet your needs if you don't even know what they are. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's our responsibility and our right to figure out what it is we need and then go get it for ourselves in a way that doesn't hurt other people. And go getting it, going to get it may be, hey, Jalen, you know, I'm really thirsty. Can I have a sip of your water? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That I'm thirsty. That's my need. I'm asking. You have the right to say no. You don't have to say yes. Right? But I'm asking you, I'm not trying, I'm not going to take your water from you. Yeah, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to ask. So um, is that setting a boundary then? If I was to say, no, you can't have any of my water, I'll go get you some more. (laughs) Is that setting a boundary? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's setting a boundary either way. If you say, no, you can't have my water, that's setting a boundary. If you say, yes, please help yourself, Gans. That's also a boundary. Okay, because because I I think sometimes people think boundaries are negative. Right. Are they not negative? Well, when I think about it, I think about how... um, I remember a mentor of mine telling me once that a pure relationship or a healthy relationship is if you imagine two coins being put together side by side, so they're just touching. So they're two holes coming together. The boundary is... That what creates the wholeness. As soon as you overlap the coins, then you're creating um, a, an, an imbalance in the relationship mm. because you're have you're suddenly your energy is too immersed, okay. and therefore the the boundaries are are lax and mm-hmm. they're they're distorted and and shrunk. So it's it's about coming to your relationships as a whole person, absolutely, mm. and um, and then and inviting the other person to be whole. Yeah, and and supporting the other person in yes. being whole, right? Because there are a lot of relationships. And I've been on both sides of the unhealthy ones, I got to say, where, you know, I'm going to be threatened if the other person's whole. So I'm going to keep them partial. I'm going to make sure they don't feel whole so that they won't leave me or that I'll feel superior or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or in relationships where the other person can't let me be my full self because they'll feel threatened or they'll feel scared that I'll leave, right? So an assertive person is one who is healthy and happy and knows they're okay. We are all okay. And my, you know, in in the book, I have this, this little acronym I use. It's called PEP, Perpetually Evolving Perfection. (laughs) The whole idea of that is that we are already okay. We're good. There's nothing else we need to do. And we get to evolve in whatever direction we need to go. Mm -hmm. If you come to a relationship like that, you're bringing a lot of value to the relationship. But also that boundary is, I know who I am, I know where I end, and I would know where the other person starts. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take responsibility for the other person's stuff, but I'm not going to ask the other person to take responsibility for my stuff. Yeah. I'm going to be responsible and, and take that, right? And and that's how you have authentic living. That's how you have you know, healthy relationships and things that, you know, whether it's work or romantic or with your kids or whatever, and things just go a lot better then because you don't, you don't like uh, resentment doesn't get a chance to sneakily build up and then you just kind of act it out and kind of can't stand to hear the person breathe after a while right <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> um boundaries um 
um, can... Mm, I lost what I was going to say. So boundaries are saying are a good thing. I think Absolutely. a lot of people think um, yeah, boundaries are a control thing. That these are are, are the <laughs> the way they're in there. Are they a way to protect yourself as well? They protect you. They protect everybody else. Okay. okay. So I, I look at a boundary. If you imagine uh, a, two, a a double fence. Okay. So you have a fence on the outside, and you have a fence on the inside, and you have two gates. A gate. On each, mm-hmm. on each one of those fences. So a boundary is that. And so I'm on the inside. Everything else is on the outside. If somebody wants to have a relationship with me or they have an idea or a thought, I get to bring that thought in. I open the outer gate in that middle, middle no man's land. I can analyze whatever that thing is, figure out if that's going to be good for everything on the inside of the mm-hmm. boundary. If it is, I open the inner gate and I let it in. Hmm. Okay. If it's not, I keep the inner gate closed. I kick it out and close the outer gate as well. So boundaries are only negative if they're all open all the time <laughs> or they're all shut all the time. Okay. Okay. All right. The extremes are what's bad. That's what people, that, that's where people get confused. All right. We're talking authentic living this afternoon and the ABCs of assertiveness. We talked about uh, accepting your needs, the things that you, that you need, that you want and, uh, you know, the, the good and the bad that comes oh, with yeah. that. We talked about building your boundaries. We'll take a break here when we come back. Clarifying your values. Mm-hmm. That and more with Dr. Gans and Amanda Knight right after this. Gans Varens, how does that make you feel <laughs> along with emotional intelligence specialist Amanda Knight joining me in studio? An event coming up September 26th. We're calling it The Doctors. That's it right. is The Doctors. We're talking about authentic living and um, and how um, you know what that means, what that looks like. And I hope that that's uh, a little bit clearer after our conversation uh, to, today. There's been a lot to take in. Um, one of the last things here, when we talk about the ABCs of assertiveness, I love this because I love, and I wrote it all down assertive not aggressive mm-hmm. i think there's a difference there you know compared you know doing things at uh, at any cost and passive yep. aggressiveness and that sort of thing you talked about accepting your needs building your boundaries and then clarifying your values mm-hmm. um you know i think a lot of people just think oh these are my values and we just kind of roll along with it I'm, I'm not sure how many people actually sit down and actually do just that clarify their values what does that look like well i think that's part of this process that happens you know, when we hit that crisis of meaning is that suddenly our deeper core values that really are deeply entrenched within our being, we suddenly realize we're not living them because we're living someone else's mm. values. That's why norm- we feel the norm- angst. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. normally our parental, or, you know, or the, our caregivers, the, the, the grown-ups in our lives, we often take on their values and yeah. believe those to be the mm-hmm. important things that we should follow our lives. Like mm-hmm. you said at the beginning of the show, you know, all of those conditionings that we, we, we learn, mm-hmm. it's, that's living through someone else's values and then suddenly sometime in our life we suddenly realize actually that isn't as important to me as I thought it was and that's part of the soul searching that we have to do yeah and you have to figure it out because like and you know it goes back to that orienting question is this working for me is this working for me do these shoes I'm wearing work for me do these values I have work for me is this way of reacting to this particular person working for me you know what I mean it's like it's a really, really important question. And like you were saying, Amanda, excuse me, um, when we don't, you know, if, if we, we, 
the inherited values we have, the, the, the default setting, basically, that we get from the factory, so to speak, <laughs> okay? It's, it's going to run, and we think this is what's going on, and we think this is the right thing for us. But it's not. It's just like, you know, this was, this was the temporary setting so that you could kind of function in the world. But it's our job. It's our responsibility. Once we become, once we come of age... You know, it's great if we have the environment around us, the support, the parents, the other people around us to help us to say, you know what? Well, these are these are what we gave you, but this is, these are just temporary to kind of figure you out so you can, like, you don't die in the woods, basically, <laughs> right? So now you have to go and think about what it mm. is that you want. You have to really look at what we gave you and see if that really fits for you. Yeah. Does it fit for, like, this worked for me when I was you know, 10, when I was in the 70s, right, mm -hmm. or whatever. But is it going to work for you when you're 10 in the 2025? or whatever it is, right? And so they have to like then go through and look at what it is that is important to them, what works for them, and they get to then claim their own values. And that's that's one of those gentle transition ways of doing it. If not, then you're gonna you know you're gonna hit the wall at some point and then have to really mm -hmm. kind of look at all of them all at the same time. This isn't a wiggle your nose, click your heels together, <laughs> uh, you know, it's all yeah. done sort of right. Thing. I wish life was all rainbows and unicorns. That Come would be on. so nice. <laughs> Come on. So if if we're starting to look at some of this and we're we're taking a look at you know authentic life and, and these values and clarifying your values. Is it a is it a sit down? I guess it could be a many different things. It could be a, a, a sit down with a cup of tea with some good music on and, and sit down and think about it. Is it is it journaling about it? How is it that you I know Gans is a big fan of journaling. Is it um, is is it that? What, what does that look like? There are there are a number of things that you can do to actually identify your values. There are all sorts of different exercises that are in the different books, like even in Gans's book, you know, mm -hmm. that that just help us work through that process. But it does take that reflection. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be something like Bing. Oh, I suddenly know what it is. You have to do that work, and journaling yeah. obviously is going to help that process, getting it out of you mm -hmm. from you, because it'll be a jumble of ideas and thoughts and feelings and uh, getting it out on paper even in an exercise of some kind is going to help or being in some kind of group where mm -hmm. you can talk about it in a group setting where you know like a workshop or mm -hmm. something where you can the purpose is to help you get underneath what's important what's or one-on-one -on -one with someone too I'm guessing because sometimes like, if there's a lot if there's a lot going yeah. on yep. in a group setting that might be a lot depending on, oh, on, on sure. your situation which what you're doing when it comes to journaling Gans, mm -hmm. Gans is I'm guessing what you're going to tell me, there's no rules. <laughs> well, there are rules. Are there? there, are, there okay. are rules. There are rules that no one else gets to read your journal unless you give them permission to. That's well, the that's a big rule. rule. That's number one. Yeah. And I can't say that's enough. No good will come of it, mm -hmm. right? Like if somebody, if you come across, anybody listening, okay, if you come across somebody's journal, don't read it. It will it will not do you any good, and it will really, really, really damage the relationship. It's I liken it to an emotional rape. Mm. Okay, when you because because the person in the journal is just getting out their raw emotions, their raw feelings, their raw thoughts to as an exercise to get them out, so they can see them and then kind of figure out what they actually want. What is it they actually do with this stuff? So it's not their decisions, it's not how they're going to live their life going forward or anything like that. So I can journal, I can be pissed off at somebody and say some awful things. Yeah. But that's just feelings. That's just thoughts in the moment. That's mm -hmm. not how I really feel about mm -hmm. this person or, the, or what I want for the relationship. So that's number one rule. The, the other, uh, we'll call them rules or guidelines. One, you want to be um, private. Mm 
So you want to you want to make sure that you are not going to be disturbed and you have the time, the space, and the quiet to be able to just be, okay. And then the other suggestion I want to say is that uh, you don't you give yourself permission to have your feelings while you're journaling. So journaling can be great to get your ideas out, but it's also really really powerful to get your feelings out. Mm. And so if you allow yourself to have your feelings while you're journaling, it is a way, especially for us guys, by the way, mm. to get in touch with our feelings because a lot of us are not good at that. We're not taught that. We're not raised that way. And so we die younger because we have all these like ingrown feelings basically, right? <laughs> and so, but when we when we give ourselves permission to have the feelings while we're journaling, we can actually get in touch with them a lot more, clarify the values that we, you know, kind of underneath a, a lot of the stuff that we've been taught and we can actually know ourselves better. And all of the studies that I've seen say that people who journal have way more self-awareness and because of that tend to to make more money, tend to have better relationships, go further in their careers, have better health, all these positive things mm -hmm. come out of that. So much to take in here. I might have to go grab my journal and write it down when I Absolutely. get, when I get home to tonight. Is it, is it an everyday thing or is it when you feel like it? Do you well, have to make a... Okay, so it's better to do it when you feel like it than to not do it yeah. at all. But there is a real value in setting up a procedure that your okay. body and your mind, your subconscious knows is going to happen because then if I know I'm writing every day or even once a week, I know that if something comes up, oh yeah, okay, I got to make sure I put that in my journal. Oh yeah, I'll get this out tomorrow when I write. You know what I mean? Okay. And sometimes I'll make little notes, little point yep. form notes so that I won't forget what I want to yeah, write in my journal. But then I, so I, there's a place that I know and, and, and my unconscious knows that I have to capture this. So uh, The Doctor's Authentic Living Impact People, Thursday, September 26th, starts at 5 o'clock. Uh, Dr. Gans will be there. Uh, Amanda Knight will be there. A number of other um, great doctors and, and helpers will be there as well. You can get your tickets at askdrgans.com mm -hmm. if you go to the events page you can check it out there if you want to learn more about authentic living you want to find out more about what you heard today that is the place to do it thank you both Gans thank you Amanda thank you. thanks for the last hour oh yeah thank you